This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MarketScale Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And I want to cut right to the chase because today we're unveiling a piece of medtech that could absolutely transform the way end users self-identify a medical issue that affects many Americans and many people worldwide, and also how physicians treat that issue from a preventative point of view. And I'm talking about obesity. For years, the key indicator for whether someone was obese came from their BMI, body mass index. A few years ago, the Mayo Clinic and Select Research sought to change that standard, and now this app that we're unpacking today is taking that to the next level. So I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Jose Medina Hinojosa, a cardiovascular clinician and researcher at the Mayo Clinic Rochester, as well as Richard Barnes, founder and CEO of Select Research, to give us the exclusive on this app. Welcome, both of you. How are you doing today? Fine, thanks. Yeah, not bad. All good here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. It's great to have you both on the podcast. So I want to jump right in and differentiate here between BMI, which is what has been used to measure obesity, versus BVI, what the difference is there. So let's start there. Um, Richard and Jose, you can both answer this, but what drew y'all and the teams at Mayo Clinic and at Select Research to come to this conclusion that the way we were measuring for obesity just wasn't cutting it. It was outdated and there was a better way. Well, it might be worth me starting off by explaining that um, we're, you know, we specialize in 3D measurement of the body. So the body is a 3D shape, but it's different for everybody. And you have different parts of the body have different volumes. Um, and sort of you know, about 15 years ago, I, I realized that BMI didn't really work because all it does is look at really just weight relative to height and doesn't take body shape into account at all. Um, and one of the key things I found that sort of made me think, well, surely this is time for a change, is that it was actually invented in 1830 uh, by hmm. a Belgian called Ketelet, who was a brilliant mathematician, but he was a mathematician in 1830. And obviously, we've got the, the joy of computers now that allowed us allow us to do things in a different way. So right. I, literally, I looked at it and I thought, well, hang on, what could we do? We could just do waist and hip, or we could do something better than that and i realized that if you divided the body into sections uh, so two arms two legs the pelvis the abdomen and the chest you could differentiate between people who were the same bmi reading so a threshold of 30 which is the you know the threshold for obesity um means that you can have people that actually are carrying too much belly fat or too much abdominal volume and other people who've got say chest volume or, or muscle in the arms of the legs and therefore got much less risk so you could differentiate between right. people of the same bmi um, so having you know, decided we could progress with this, checked out the technology, I thought, well, I need to get the best people in the world on this. Uh, we have the Medical Research Council in the UK, who are a government body, of, you know, as the name sounds, uh, do medical research. And obviously in the US, we had the Mayo Clinic. So we approached Mayo Clinic uh, in 2008 um, with the idea that we could develop this over time uh, to create something that was better than BMI. And now, ten years later, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So, uh, here we are. so Jose can kind of explain how Mayo Clinic took the baton forward and 
and how they kind of evolve this evolutionary process with the research. Definitely. So, yeah, Jose, unpack a bit of uh, what that research process was like for the Mayo Clinic and what you found on on a very specific and technical level that was better about using BVI to measure for obesity instead of BMI. Yes, so, well, thank you for having me on the podcast. And I think uh, one thing to add is I work specifically at the Division of Preventive Cardiology. And our, on our clinical research mission is to try to prevent and treat cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular events. And as I joined uh, this team a few years ago, there was already uh, the thought of we need to better assess obesity and cardiovascular risk. And BMI, which is only a, a marker of, of someone's height and weight, wasn't cutting it at the moment, especially because the mm-hmm. research was so demonstrating that looking at body uh, distribution of shape and looking at body composition, which is how much muscle and fat you have, was actually more accurate in assessing your cardiovascular disease, your cardiovascular disease risk, and your risk further risk for cardiovascular events. So your overall your your CV health in general. So then Richard approached our team a, a bunch of years ago with this brilliant idea of taking us one step further and not just looking at what another measure, which was waist and hip which are only a single linear measurement, but he has this wonderful technology that was able to create a 3D model of the person's body. And of that, we say, well, this is a much more information. And as the, as, as technology and also medical technology keeps evolving, where we had before we try to keep our models or prediction models pretty simple because they were had to be, uh, calculated in the office with a notepad and now in the era of precision medicine and electronic medical records, we can basically have unlimited amounts of information to assess our patients' overall health. So the idea of having a 3D model that was able to give us all this information uh, in addition to just height and weight was fantastic. So uh, we we got very excited to look at, at what the body volume or indicator BBI technology uh, was able to bring to the table, and a, and a good amount of years later, we see that it's going is doing is very informative when compared to just looking at, at a person's height and weight. So yeah. And just before we get into the technology, I think it's important to unpack how this idea of using BMI to measure for obesity has been pretty detrimental. Um, like you said, Richard, this is something that was first established back in the 1880s. So, 1830s. You know, 1830s. Okay, so <laughs> attack another 50 years on there. So, yeah, a, a, a little outdated. Um, and though at the time, revolutionary, you know, like you said, the technology has really empowered us to measure new things and to measure things more reliably. So uh, let's dig in a bit to how BMI and measuring for BMI has impacted really the end user. So Jose, what kind of diets and methods have you seen people use to self-measure their progress for weight loss using this unrealistic standard? And how has it been not only not very helpful, but also potentially detrimental to health. Good. So I think uh, before I answer your question, one thing to expand is on 
how we currently define obesity. Now, yeah. obesity is a very complex construct that goes way beyond just your weight. And for many years since I was little, I've seen people have always have a scale in their bathrooms and track their health as with a scale saying I increased a pound or I dropped a pound, I'm sick or I'm healthy. I'm to somewhat mm -hmm. that could help if you're tracking the same person, but it doesn't give you enough information, especially because obesity is more, much more than just your weight. First, as I was telling you before, it's also related to the distribution of your fat or how of your body or your body's morphology. It's extremely related to the percent of fat and muscle in your, in your body. And this is the last one. This one is a concept that is starting to be more accepted. And the other aspect to, that we need to define obesity is what are the obesity derived comorbid conditions and how, which are diseases like hypertension or high blood pressure, diabetes or high blood sugar. And many, many other things that either cause obesity and go in the hand of it. You also have mm -hmm. high uh, blood lipids. And just with looking at the height and weight, you don't have an overall picture. So knowing a person's distribution and, co and body composition helps many, in many, many ways more to screen and assess for the presence of absence of obesity. So when you compare the whole population, you need to have more information. You can, so you can actually, when you go either to a specialist or a primary care physician, you can know who is actually sick or healthy and can help with our preventative strategies. So overall, that brings why the, it brings the rationale for the BBI technology that can help us assess all this information is so, so much useful. Okay. Right. right. Other aspects to con to consider, which in what are the determinants of the of obesity? So we already spent some time talking about hypertension, high blood lipids, um, and and high blood sugar. But other things that can help determine when there's a person or that determine if a person person has obesity or not is the level of physical activity and overall mm -hmm. uh, their diet. And by that, I mean, if a person tends to be more sedentary and spend less of the amount of, of the amount of recommended time being active, then the body fat tends to increase. The fat tends to distribute more around the midline and the muscle mass tends to decrease because the person's not moving enough. Other things that could be that that could uh, contribute to all of this is actually um, the diet. So, with the more industrialized diet that some people that that is really available in many of the countries now, that are predominantly complex, um, refined carbs and high in sugar levels, they all, all of this brings to the bigger picture of how obesity 
tends to be detrimental. So, so for us to be able to assess all of this, the BBI brings many more information of what just the BMI or just looking at the linear measurement around your belly can do. And that's why we are very excited about having this technology available. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get to the technology now. Um, Richard, this is going to be aimed at you uh, since you are basically the inventor of this technology and the one who's turned all this research into something tangible, into an app that people can use. Let's really get the full picture. No pun intended, <laughs> but maybe pun slightly intended. So, um, you know, it sounds like this app is really going to help make preventative treatment for obesity a simpler, more effective task. So break down for me what it's actually doing, how it works, and why you think it's going to be so useful. Well, the great news for us, as it is in so many industries, is that technology has evolved. I mean, what was an old 386 computer is now a smartphone. And we were using big boxes, 3D scanners that measured the people in 3D. And now we can do that straight from a smartphone. Uh, also, the camera quality on the smartphones is so good that we're able to actually reproduce body shape from that. And the reason that BVI is so significant, I think, is because of the concept of volume. Uh, and what we've done is basically divide the body into seven sections. And then, depending on the increase or the decrease in the volume of that particular section of the body, we can make estimates on body composition from that using the other research um, arm, which is the Medical Research Council, where we've, co we've, uh, we've compared thousands of full-body MRI scans with full-body BVI scans and we're able to basically make predictions on if there's excess weight in the chest, that's more likely to be muscle. Obviously, if there's excess weight in the abdomen, in the belly area, that's more likely to be fat. We've actually been able to take that to a new level and look at visceral fat, which is the belly fat, which is the dangerous stuff, as a part volume of body fat, as a part volume of the total body. So all of that information has allowed those key factors of visceral fat as a well-known indicator of risk to be an add-on from what Mayo Clinic could produce, which is looking at the risk factors from the weight distribution, where you know the body, you know, the weight of someone is divided into seven sections, and it allows the weight of that to be assessed. And the reason it's so significant is that muscle weighs more than fat, and so BMI just doesn't work because if someone's told to to get fitter, they get fitter, they put on more muscle, they lose fat, and their weight goes up. Uh, and I think right. what's particularly important for people in the US is that that affects their premiums on their health insurance. So the health insurance industry, are, and therefore all the doctors, are reliant upon a measure that is inaccurate in predicting risk and predicting the underwriting. Hmm. So... Right, so it's actually affecting people's isn't pockets, it? which is the, the, the biggest yeah, motivator. It's, it's affecting people's pockets because effectively they're using something that was designed nearly 200 years ago to measure someone's individual risk. And Adolphe Catalet, who was the inventor of BMI in 1830, basically never meant it to be used for individual risk. The reason that's happened is because it's just out of default. Mm -hmm. So... What this is meant to be, this isn't an MRI machine, but it's designed to be something that's better than BMI as a risk predictor at the first stage of intervention. And what Mayo Clinic have effectively done is looked at the predictive risks using the technology and made uh, assumptions based on some you know, incredible amount of data they've collected over the last 10 years and analyzed. Right. And what's pretty incredible is that 
to get to this point? Um, and the app name again is called BVI, right? Yeah, the BVI app is basically a demonstrator app, which is just it's on the App Store and on Android at the moment, literally to show how the technology works. The version that's up there at the moment is actually let's call it a selfie version, where someone can actually take a picture in there in a, in a full length mirror. Um, mm-hmm. But the real, the really exciting bit of the technology is actually the software um, development kit that we're developing for organisations to be able to integrate all of this into their existing data collection systems. So whether that's an insurance company or whether it's a large hospital group, they've already got existing protocols and existing data and existing customer, customer records, including all the previous medical history and obviously the age, gender, ethnic origin and, and the background to those people. So the software development kit actually allows the technology to be integrated into existing systems, which is where I think the real power uh, you know, is, because it isn't meant to be a standalone app. It's meant to be an example that shows people how the technology can be integrated. So it's basically run in parallel with BMI. So you've got BMI as a kind of good guess, and you've got BVI to give you a much better indicator of someone's risk. I love it. And what I was trying to get at was, obviously, the app name is BVI, but there was a, a precursor, BVI Pro, that you worked with um, very closely with the Mayo Clinic to collect your data and make some actionable insight on how to actually build this out. And you were able to pull insight from 65 different countries, meaning you got a variety of body types, populations, ethnic groups. Why was that research component and the the beta version right of this app why was it so important to make make that step first and to get this kind of data from all over the world to really fine-tune um the technology and the software yeah no i'm really pleased you asked that question actually because the technology the bvi pro was able to take seven volumes the total body fat visceral fat and over a hundred linear measurements that we developed over the last 20 years from a 3d scan so the important thing here is that some of that data was never collected in populations before. So the 65 countries were representative of all the world, and we were able to then have data on the age, gender, ethnic origin, and those populations to then, having filtered some of it through, which obviously there, had, there was some data that wasn't usable, once we had usable data from 65 countries, we were able to pass that on to Mayo Clinic so they had data that was generated not just by them, not by some of the other collaborators in the project, but generally by people and other research organizations around the world who were who were, you know, believed as we did that that it was time for a change and that, you know, in the twenty first century BMI is useful to a degree, but only to to a degree really. Right. Right. It's it's not the complete picture. It's not the complete picture and it's designed for population statistics. So for it to be used for an individual assessment of risk is, I believe, inappropriate. And yet, to be fair, you know, there hasn't been anything else available until now. And, you know, the Mayo Clinic work that's been done over the last 10 years and all the other collaborators in the UK and in Europe and elsewhere, um, yeah, it's, it, the, I can't stress strongly enough, the smartphone has allowed us to deliver that in a way that we weren't able to before. And BMI is just height and weight. And that simplicity always meant people had an excuse not to migrate to something else. But now, you know, just using an app, and people are so used to technology now in all their forms of their lives, I think that's allowed people to be much more accepting of this. And I think, and I think, sorry to interrupt, that was, that was something that 
excited us very much when when Richard came with the with with the idea of the app and the concept of the app and basically it it, it because it brings it brings body composition and preventive cardiology to the 2019 era of individual individualized medicine and the patient is able to benefit from this greatly and it will i know it will continue to evolve and it's going to continue to move along how technology is going away and i and i'm very excited of how just medicine and and it companies are able to work together and and benefit the patient which is what everybody what which is what everybody's end goal is so yeah it's very very good Right. And I mean, just hearing the fact that it's the smartphone that is really encouraging this next wave of technology really opens up a lot of possibilities in my head. Because if everyone is using an app like this to measure um, their BVI, even if it's just casually, imagine the kind of data you can then pull from that to further your research. I mean, never before could you have so much personalized information to fine-tune your software with um you know it's it, it's pretty incredible it's fantastic stuff. it is yeah it's very exciting for the next years to come yeah I, yeah I think just a word of caution hand to reassure people first of all we don't take any pictures of people we don't store any data right. the data belongs to the organization that's commissioned the sdk and integrated it so we mm-hmm. don't keep any patient information. We don't keep any of that at all. Nobody else does either. That information is kept by the organization. So if it's a hospital group and they have 10,000 patients, they can integrate the technology and collect all that data and integrate it with their other data they already have on their systems. But it's not like it's stored in some massive database that you know we're sitting on a 100 computers storing it all. That is not the case. The whole, right. the whole idea is that we, we provide simple easy to embed tools that then means the data can be collected and integrated into an organization's existing processes and procedures and obviously in accordance with ethical guidelines right so let's go ahead and wrap this up by looking at the two groups that are going to be affected by this the most i think that is the end user and the medical institution so the hospital and really the physicians that run that hospital so let's start with the end user first Uh, what do you both see as the greatest use for this technology by the end user and how do you think it's going to really affect them on on a consumer level or you know just as a as an individual who wants to measure this kind of thing for themselves i think again it's this is very exciting because this will further precise the estimates we can do for someone's cardiovascular uh, assessment or overall preventive assessment or second, prim- either even even if it's primary or secondary prevention, we normally do comprehensive examinations, which is good to have. But it will also allow us to have one measure that would help us screen a person of either their high or or their low risk. So I think just the the benefit of unnecessary burden of tests to understand what your real risk is, it's great. And if a person is actually sick, but the previous measurements were labeled them as um, as healthy, it will help them in that way as well by preventing their disease and allow the clinicians to intervene and prescribe a healthy lifestyle before they get sicker than they are at the moment. 
it's going to affect the end user, I think, in two different ways. I mean, first of all, I think most people, if they're honest with themselves, go to the doctor and basically want to say to the doctor, even though they might not actually say it, is, come on, tell me, how much, how long have I got to live? You know, because BMI just doesn't tell you that. And, and what BVI hopefully does is give you a better indicator of your risk. And that is a key question that most people have to answer at various times in their lives. The second thing is purely a financial one for the insurance companies who actually have a real dilemma because they know that BMI doesn't work. They use it because there hasn't been anything else. And for the end user, they really want to have something that gives them something that actually reflects their own risk and therefore their own premium. And the people that are being penalized now are the people that are actually perhaps athletic or perhaps not obese in a true way as they've not got too much abdominal volume or belly fat. And those at the moment because BMI is being used to to actually you know calculate their insurance premium uh, and actually their whole clinical and care pathway going forward so I think those are the people that are going to benefit the most and obviously those people who are more at risk will then also have more care and attention and be you know be put on the correct clinical pathway going forward by the physicians who, who look at them and I think even just in a casual sense you're going to see people probably better understand if their diets and their exercise and their lifestyle is working for them if they can gauge more accurately if their body is healthy, right? Um, And they can start to at least change aspects of their lifestyle themselves without having to go to the doctor to make that happen. Very much so. And I think one of the things we all are guilty of to a certain degree is we're, we're in denial about you know our own risk and our own situation particularly those like me who've got a bit too much fat around the middle and therefore you know (laughs) you you, you kind of kid yourself you're still the same shape you are when you're 18 and I think that's this is a reality check but it's a reality check based on science and on data that is much more accurate and much more predictive than BMI is because BMI is just height and weight and therefore it can only tell part of the story. And then to really wrap things up, let's look at how this is going to affect the industry as a whole. So how do you both see this BVI app integrating into hospitals, and how do you see it changing the work that physicians do for preventative cardiology and just preventative medicine in general? Okay, how's that, Jonah? Yeah. So uh, one of the things is um, that, it, that it will help – just the healthcare industry in general is how uh, evolving the and integrated to the electronic health record this app can be, and it can also yeah. support the a new field that is slowly building up in medicine, which is telemedicine. So it will allow us to have a good number of measurements that can help us understand what the patient we're seeing with via the the connected technology that it's that the, that this provides. So this this is great as it, as it continues to be integrated as, as we continue to rapidly evolve it through the cloud servers and to the all the integration into the EMR. And I'm very hopeful this will ease the workload and help the interaction, the actual face to face interactions between the clinician. And, and their patient, and I'm pretty sure it will benefit both in both the industry and direct patient care. Very excited about this. 
I think for the industry, we're really powerful as we talked about how it can affect the individual and the end user. But I think also for an organization, whether it's a health and wellness program or whether it's an insurance company or whether it's a, a, a hospital group, you actually, with this data, can actually new comprehensive data on a population. So your 100,000 customers, it could be your 3 million customers. And you can collect that data, and then as a an organization, you can stratify and assign your resources to those that you think are most needed of the care and the attention. And that's a certain uh, area of the U.S. It could be a certain subgroup, you know, a certain ethnic group or a certain age group. And having data like this allows you then to stratify and assign resources in a way that's not been possible before. And you know, we're talking to a big university group at the moment who've, who are in a particular part of the US where they do have a, a, a very big obesity problem uh, and an issue with you know, certain ethnic groups and certain social demographic groups who perhaps need a bit more care and attention. And this will allow them to have data to really analyze where they can uh, you know, assign their resources and, uh, and hopefully improve people's lives. Well, this is all really, really exciting stuff, and I think the people will want to know, when is this technology rolling out? When will we be able to see this BVI app in action and really affecting the industry? So there is an app available now on the App Store, both on iOS and on Android. Uh, that is a demonstrator app to design and show the technology. Uh, over the next few months, there will be developments, including uh, a number which will actually be used to assess risk and give people a better indication of, of their health. That is what this has been designed to work towards all those years ago when we started working with Mayo Clinic and with the Medical Research Council. And now the University of Westminster in, in London are also working with us on this. And I think what Mayo have done and, and what hopefully we've created with this technology is something that actually does provide people with a number that they can ultimately take away and they can use with their clinician, they can use with their insurance company, and that will provide a better indication of their risk and allow them to track their progress or lack of progress, depending on how they're, they're doing, over time and then help themselves and other people be more healthy. I love that. Well, Richard, Jose, I want to thank you both for joining us on the podcast and giving us this exclusive look at an app that could potentially change the way people approach, you know, preventing uh, cardiovascular disease, preventing uh, this pretty worldwide issue of obesity and really how this application can change preventative medicine for the physician and for hospitals in general. It sounds like this is really going to take off and really have a, a positive impact on the industry as a whole. So I'm looking forward to seeing which hospitals adopt this on a, a completely standardized basis, how it affects their care, and then looking back on it in a year or so and being able to point at some specific research. So we're going to have to schedule that, get it on the books, and we'll have to get you guys back on soon. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for your help. That's really great. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the Market Scale Healthcare Podcast. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.